This, this, this is, 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 Disciples. Welcome to podcast episode 324. We are the Fight Disciples and this is dedicated to the world of mixed martial arts. We're on location this week. We are in Abu Dhabi preparing for UFC 242. There's going to be plenty of chat in and around that. You're also going to hear at some point this week interviews from Habib and Dustin Poirier and various others uh, that are connected to this epic card out here in Abu Dhabi. I am pleased to say uh, that my partner in crime has joined me in the sun sh- uh, sunshine. Easy for me to say. Sure is. I say that off the back of our boxing podcast, mate. And it's nice to hear you. Coherence. <laughs> it's na- it's nice to see I'm you. I'm sober. It's nice to see you in one piece. Yeah. Yeah. You've had uh, you've had quite a lot of love actually over the last 24 to 48 hours with people actually wanting more pissed Pete. That's what they want. Mm-hmm. It's a demand. Um, would you like to tell everybody about uh, your uh, escapade on the on the plane on the way over where you were spotted? You were uh, you oh, were paparazzied yeah. by a by a fight disciple. So we jumped on. A, I jumped on my flight, the Red Eye from Manchester, and. Um, Get into my seat. I'm sitting there picking a film. You know, I'm tossing up whether to watch Harry Potter or The Greatest Showman, as you do. Good. And um, get a tap on the shoulder. And it was a, a lad called Callum, who was a, who lives in Melbourne, who uh, who introduced himself by saying, "Hey, mate, was it you who stuck the fight disciple sticker in the toilet?" And I was just like, "Oh." And, uh, so like, even in a sober state, you're still sticking stickers everywhere. No, we t- no, we t- <laughs> he was taking the piss. I hadn't actually. Oh right! One. Oh right! I'm not going to deface it. Etihad fucking flight. Uh, well, I won't be surprised with, with you, mate. The way that you were going on at the weekend, you were blasting them everywhere. I know, but the less said about the weekend, the better. So he's a fight disciple that lives in. He's Australia. a fight disciple that lives in Melbourne, Australia. He invited us over. He said, "Listen, come over for Bobby Knuckles versus the Style Bender." Please come over. We'll have a few beers. We'll have a night out and stuff a like that. A few beers? Are you sure that's wise? Well, no, yeah, exactly. <laughs> the amount of people that actually want to have a few beers with me is baffling at the uh, moment because in. the way I was talking on, on Saturday night, um, it's a wonder why anybody would want to have a night out. There was a couple of people saying, this incoherent dribble, I hope you're going to put a proper show out this week. Well, this is a proper show. This is the one. You will not hear me incoherently rambling on about nonsense again. Well, well, to compensate, we're actually going to put several shows out uh, this week. This is yeah, what we're going to do to make off uh, whilst we're out in Abu Dhabi. So you've got this one, which is your normal standard uh, MMA show, which is slightly later, but the reason why it's later is because we wanted to do it from Abu Dhabi to give you some more of a more of a sense of what's uh, happening out here. Um, as I said, we've spoke to Khabib, we've spoke to Dustin Poirier, so you're going to get them. You're uh, speaking to a young lad from Manchester as well, aren't you? Uh, Lerone who's Murphy, on the undercard. yeah. Pe- no one's probably even heard of Lerone Murphy. In fact, we've just been having breakfast, haven't we, with the, uh, the production team from BT Sport, and a couple of them are absolute MMA geeks. And even those guys were scratching their heads saying, Lerone who? Is from the UK? Yeah, there's a guy from Manchester who's on this bill. He's on the prelim cards. He's a featherweight called Lerone Murphy. Nobody's heard the story. He's completely gone under the radar this week. It's absolutely baffling why UFC Europe haven't promoted them much more. I've seen as the way he's on the prelim cards, one of the biggest cards of the year, the big pay-per-view events for BT Sports. And yet no one's even heard about this guy. So uh, I texted him this morning. He texted me back. We're going to set something up for later today. Uh, and I don't want to give the game away, but you've just got to hear that podcast because his story is just unreal. There you go. It's all coming uh, your way this week. So if you're building up towards this at the weekend, UFC 242, uh, then do get stuck in. Now, we, we do have a commercial message, and I know we're going to get shit for this, all right? Because people know why we're here, because we're doing telly. That's why me and Nick are in Abu Dhabi. So this podcast is being brought to you in association with BT Sport <laughs> Box Office. <laughs> oh, dear. The hate's going to be real now, isn't it? Just it? They've sold out. The lads have sold out. 
Well, my soul has just left me body. The boys have sold out. The reason why they're out there is because they're getting weighed in. Um, this particular podcast and everything that you hear this week is in association with BT Sport Box Office. You can get this fight uh, on uh, on pay-per-view at the weekend. So thank you very much. Love the people at BT who've asked me and Nick to come out here. We're Let's doing... talk about the pay-per-view thing because obviously that's still a big bugbearer with a lot of a lot of fans. And we did. We yeah, did... but hang on, right? We just had a co- we just had a conversation with the lads from BT downstairs, right? We've just been having a bit of a waxing lyrical about it. Yeah, and they've got their opinion as to maybe why the backlash has come in. However, I don't feel that Fight Disciples have given us a backlash. And the reason why I don't feel that Fight Disciples have given us a backlash is because we, from day dot, as soon as the deal was done, when all the rumours were going on that they were going to 11 sports, yep. and we said, oh, hang on, it's not going to 11 now. BT have jumped on. Here's the crack. And we said, told everybody there and then there was going to be the possibility of pay-per-views. There's going to be at least two this year. And if yep. Connor comes back, there's going to be a third. Yep. So I don't feel like on our social media feeds... We've got a blast. But no. when, I, when obviously, we, me and you go and then work for BT and we go and work for other people, I, I check their social media feeds. I'm like going, fucking hell, it's going off here, mate. Yeah. Because people... Absolute backlash. Maybe maybe maybe, the, the, maybe it's because they just didn't get the information. Maybe that's just what it is. Well, that's it. You know, I think part of the reason was <clears throat> I think BT probably should have just done what we'd done. When, we, when the deal was announced, that we, we literally said from day one, right, the 11 things fell through. It's gone back to BT Sport. There's going to be... Three, maybe four pay per views a year. As it's turned out, there's only going to be there's only going to be two unless Connor comes back. Um, I still think they might do Darren Till in New York at two forty four. But listen, all the, all the indicators at the moment say that this will. This I don't will think be they the will. Second and only. I don't think they uh, will pay per view this year. But mm. listen, regardless, um, I just think they sh- they themselves probably realise now they should have been a bit more upfront about it and just said, listen, the UFC's coming back. It's fantastic. We're BT. We're committed to it. We've signed the deal for so many years. We're going to do a couple of pay-per-views a year, but this is what you get in return. I don't think they hid it. I just think they didn't say it. Yeah, exactly. That's all. Of course. But listen, you know, at the end of the day, if 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 it wasn't pay-per-view, maybe we wouldn't be out here, so no, it's worth I, every penny. Of course it is, yeah. <laughs> but let's be honest. We, as British fight fans, we've had it good, man. We've yeah. had it. We've had it good for a long period of time. If you're a fight fan over in the states, you're paying big money for this, and you've been paying big money for this for a long period of time. We're all, well, BT does, are only make, asking for two. It, aren't do, it doesn't. They're not asking for listen, all twelve. It doesn't make it any easier to swallow. Uh, and I and I and I continue my rhetoric that if BT are going to charge extra for it, they've got to give extra. Now maybe part of giving extra is having us out here providing content for BT's social channels all week. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's what it is. But I think. If you're going to pay extra, it can't look like the normal show on BT on a Saturday night that you get for free. It's got to feel like a pay-per-view. What doesn't help, in my opinion, is when BT are forced to screen the US version of the ESPN pay-per-view live, which they no doubt will hear on Saturday night. And during that broadcast, you've got whoever the commentary team asked mm. talking about the Dallas Mavericks playing the New York Knicks this weekend and blah. That doesn't help. When you're paying an extra £20, I don't want that shit on my TV. Especially during... A decent time frame as well, because well, it's, a good, I mean. it's, a, it's a good time for British fans at the weekend. Exactly. So don't upsell me what's on American TV. I'm paying twenty quid extra for this. I want it to be all about me. If you're going to upsell something, upsell the fact that Man City are playing next Saturday against United or whatever it may be. Mm. So I, I think that needs tweaking. I think BT. But the problem there is that UFC are very. When it comes to the live broadcasts, UFC and by UFC I mean the top of the tree, Dana White's of this world. You know the, the guys at the very top in the boardroom. They're very controlling over the actual live broadcast. Yeah. So if you talk about tampering with the broadcast and shit like that, forget about it. But there's listen, there's deals to be done, there's work to be done. But 
two pay-per-views a year for the two events that we've had, John Jones and Habib. It's not that bad, is it? Mm. Talk to me about the development of fight sports just, just in general coming to the Middle East because we, as we're recording this now, yeah. we've got Habib, Dustin Poirier and all the UFC 242 crew out here. Yeah. And then a couple of hours up the road, Anthony Joshua is currently doing his press conference with uh, Andy Ruiz. In Saudi, yeah. In Saudi. This, this isn't... What these aren't one-offs. I don't feel. I'm, no. I'm getting the vibe from being out here and speaking to people here on the ground that this. We well, we know that they're going to be here for the next five years. I think they've committed to haven't they, the UFC. Yeah. And you would think if everything goes well with the Anthony Joshua card, this is going to happen on several occasions. Well, absolutely. You know, I don't think Jeddah's a trillion miles away, is it, where no. the World Boxing Super Series was? Where's Qatar? Where the World bit Cup's going? Yeah, a bit further north. You know, the, the Middle East is making a big play at the moment to become the destination of everywhere on the planet, you know, the holiday destination. And the big way to do that is to appeal to people via entertainment. Uh, it was always going to happen. You know, Dubai, from, from living in Europe, we, we all fully know how, over the last 10 years, how Dubai's become, like, one of the most popular tourist destinations mm. for British tourists. Uh, prior to 10 years ago, nobody was coming out to, to the Middle East, really. Um, for various reasons, but now th with the, you know, w we're sitting in a beautiful hotel here on Yaz Island, where the Formula One track is literally next door to the hotel. You look outside the window; it's absolutely green. It's lush. Everything is five star. The roads are empty. There's no traffic. There's no noise. You know, if you're going to come on holidays, it's a pretty fucking cool place to come. Mm. Uh, and okay, it feels very new. Uh, and for me, I, I'm, I'm, you know. I do like a little bit of, culture. believe it or not, I'm a bit of a culture vulture yet. So um, even though it's very new, though, it does feel like it's five-star luxury everywhere you go, as I say. So it, it doesn't surprise me that they're making a big play for entertainment. And it certainly doesn't surprise me that fight sports is pushing its way to the top of that agenda because well, fight that, sports pulls in big eyeballs. On that, you talked about entertainment. We're obviously here for the, the event of the weekend. The, it's a purpose-built stadium, um, which we can see outside our hotel room at this moment in time. Still, it's, still it under, it's still under construction at this moment. I come past the six o'clock this morning and there was a fucking army of men on yeah. the roof of yeah. the arena. I'm led to believe there's no work on in it yet. Jesus. And it's being installed today. And the red hot chilli peppers are playing there tonight. Well, that's the point that and I was going no to make. Con. The point that I was going to make is that this now seems to be uh, an entertainment week rather than an entertainment night. So people yeah. are buying a ticket for a UFC 242. They come down and they want to watch the fights, but all week they're putting all sorts on. And I think they do something very similar with the uh, Formula One, don't they? Because obviously, like you said, the track is literally outside our hotel. I, yeah. I cycled it last night, Madman yeah. in 35 degree heat or whatever it were. But they have, the, they have that, then they have concerts on throughout the course of the week. So the Chili Peppers are on tonight. We're going to be in attendance, so keep an eye on social media for that. Um, there's a couple of other little bits and bats that are uh, thrown throughout the whole course of the week. Loads of fighters are here, I've noticed as well. Loads. Yeah. I mean, tons. Like Stephen Thompson's here. Shevchenko's here, mate. Sahudo's here. Every man, uh, Kamaru Usman's here as well. Every man and his dog seems to be here, and they're yeah. doing meets and greets for fans and various things like that. I know that's a normal thing for UFC, but it just seems to be even bigger this time around with it being out here in Abu Dhabi. Yeah, of course, because, you know, no doubt the, the Abu Dhabi um, government, the sports ministry or whatever, have really rolled out the red carpet because they want it to be something much bigger than what you would usually get. Now, last time I was here was 2014, five years ago. Actually stayed, and we are literally looking out the window now, at that hotel across the road, mm. the uh, the Ratana, mm -hmm. here on Yaz Island. And that was for the big nog, uh, big country. Uh, heavyweight fight. Now, when we came then, there was no arena. So what they did is they basically pitched the giant tent 
in the centre of the Formula One track. Mm. And they put like a, a temporary seating in and everything like that. And the event itself was absolutely amazing, but it was open air. It was fucking red hot. Yeah. Well, you've been here a couple of days now. You know how warm it is. Well, the temperatures the during the day, temperature during the day is 48. Jeez. And then at night, like I said last night, I went out because I thought, oh, I'll do a bit of exercise at night time. I went outside <laughs> and it was 35 at nine o'clock. Wow. Madness. So imagine what it's like fighting so in I, that. Imagine fighting in that heat. Now, that being said, these fuckers better get that air conditioning sorted <laughs> today because it's one thing Anthony Kalidas and the rest of the Chili Peppers bouncing around and, and everyone passing out of heat exhaustion. But it's another thing altogether, fighting the for the UFC lightweight championship belt over five rounds uh, with no air con. That will have to be sorted a million percent. <laughs> Otherwise, that could be fucking insane. <laughs> Uh, we'll talk more uh, uh, about Abu Dhabi and everything that's going on out here uh, in a moment or two, but I think it's only fair that we look back at uh, Shenzhen at the uh, at the weekend, my friend. Uh, just you got, I'd say you something for a for a lad Nailed that it. for a lad that likes to get drunk of a weekend. You kind of know what you're talking about when it comes to mixed martial arts, don't you? Uh, if you want to cast your mind back to last week's show, Nick made a point uh, of just targeting the two, well, the main event and the co-main event and targeting the two Chinese uh, fighters that were involved in there that have been spending a little bit of time out in Vegas and obviously training out there. And it seemed the rhetoric was from the UFC that they were training these two particular people in order to win championships and then start to build their brand out uh, in China. And uh, Wiley Zhang, let me tell you, she, Job did, done. she didn't miss about, did she? First ever Chinese UFC champion. Took her all of 42 seconds to take care of uh, Jessica Andrade. And I'll tell you something, those my Chinese... My days, mate. I was like going, Jess, move your head. <laughs> get your head out of the she, way. There's nothing she could do, though. She was no. stuck in a plum clinch, so yeah, she no. couldn't get out of it. No. So, um, yeah, man. I, again, it What was, noise does she make as well, Zheng? Oh, yeah. Because she she means every single one of them, She's doesn't she? She's a machine. And it just goes back to last year in Vegas, the Khabib versus Connor fight in Vegas, when we were at the PI. And Jing Liang and, and, and uh, Zhang were both based at the PI. And we were t- I was remember talking to Forrest Griffin then. And he was like, the two Chinese athletes, they've been here for months. They're just getting the best of the best of the best. And we're just bringing them on so much. And he was like, they're both absolute monsters. Don't get me wrong. They're both beasts. They're both gym rats. But now they're getting the best coaching in the world, the best nutrition, the best advice, the best recovery. Oof throw that into the mix as well. And he even said at the time, you know, ahead of this, the big opening of the um, of the of the PI in China, um, the plan is to to have these two fight on a main card. Now he, back then obviously he couldn't have he couldn't have foreseen the fact that Andrade would go and, and smash up uh, you know uh, Rose Namajunas uh-huh. in Brazil, become the champion and jump straight into this fight. And a lot of people don't forget going into this fight was saying, why is Zhang getting a shot at the belt? Like, she's hardly fought anyone. She's only had, what, three or four fights in the yeah, UFC? Yeah, yeah. And But I always remember that day at the PI seeing her and thinking, she's a fucking beast. She's going to take some stopping here. So that's why I fancied her for this fight, even though Andrade looks sensational against Rose. What did I say to you? After Rose mm. won the belt, I said to you, didn't I, this is the new hot potato of the UFC. This belt won't stick with anyone. Rose has just got Joanna and Jacek's number. But Rose is not going to hold the belt long. This will keep changing hands. And so it's proved like no one can make two defences of this thing anymore. But Zhang looks like an absolute monster. And I think the UFC, just because watching it on TV, and we haven't bumped into Dan Hardy yet. He flew in like me just last night. I can't wait to see Dan because I don't know. Sometimes you can be kidded by the atmosphere from TV because yes. you don't know how loud it's turned up. Yeah. Because when they were ring walking, as, as in a lot of Asian promotions, and certainly it was here as well, 
Jessica Andrade's ring walking, Zhang's ring walking. Could really hear the pin drop. You can hear the music. A couple of people clapping, maybe a wave in the background. It's just not in their culture to go berserk. Yeah. But fuck me. When she beat her up and finished it in 42 seconds, the place went electric. Mm -hmm. And it sounded unbelievable. And I can't wait to find out how legitimate that was. Because if if that noise that came through my TV screen was genuine in China, and the same thing happened with Jing Liang as well. If that's genuine, then... Zhang won't be fighting outside of China anytime soon. She's defending that belt there. They'll be continue to build that market based on her and based on Jing Liang, who himself probably made the mm. welterweight top 10. Looking forward to seeing uh, Dana White this week and speaking about that because he must have not won out. He must, have, he, he must have gone. Absolutely. Woo, China Ching. We just got opened some, up China. Exactly. Got some Mohawker socks with Dana <laughs> just in case they go back. <laughs> Oof. There's a lot of people there that are well into it, as we saw, obviously, at the weekend. And now that they've actually got a poster girl uh, that they can, obviously, uh, sail a ship on, I'll tell you something, it's going to be uh, an interesting ride. It's going to be interesting to see how many events go out now Yeah. Uh, to the likes of Shenzhen out in China. Yeah, well, obviously, they've got the whole of China to go out, haven't they? So, where's the PI? The PI is in, is it Shanghai, is it? Or Yeah. Um, so, it probably makes sense to do one there sometime soon. But you know what? It wouldn't surprise me if they if they brought back like the Ultimate Fighter maybe and did the Ultimate Fighter China, might be kind of cool, um, just to just to kind of reintroduce more new stars from that market. Mm. Um, certainly with the PI there now, it makes perfect sense. But uh, but yeah, man, the atmosphere looked absolutely electric, and I think I think the, the UFC since they got bought out by Endeavor by IMG, it kind of like most big businesses do. You know that they, they take over, they they get. They basically cut off a lot of arteries and pull it all back into the heart, so it's all back done in Vegas, and then they rebuild themselves again. They start branching out again, and I think that move into China and big move over here. Obviously, the commitment to come here every year for the next five years minimum uh, to the UAE is massive for the UFC, and it's important to the growth as well. Mm. Uh, Zhang's performance obviously stole the show, becoming world champion after 42 seconds. But you've mentioned Jing Liang a couple of times there. I thought the fight was really good, man. Brilliant fight. It was a proper little back and forth number. I didn't see the finish coming. And then, what was it? 12 seconds before the end of the fight? Yeah. Boom. Last 10 it seconds. It all just yeah. went off. And the kid smelt blood and fair play with him. He absolutely nailed the finish. And that Zaleski Santos is no mug. No, man. absolutely. No mug. I thought it was quite an even fight up until that point. It was, yeah, yeah. But again, Jing Liang and, and, and Zhang, the, the two of them are just so strong. Fundamentally, they're just fighting people. They're tough people. And uh, when you add some technical prowess in there as well, they're going to take some stop. And Jing Liang could go on a bit of a run, as I say, at 170. He's a good kid. And I think he'll probably get a top 10 opponent next. Mm. Is there anybody else that stands out? I mean, she stole the show, of course. Uh, that's the headline. But is there anybody else that stands out for you on that card before we get stuck into a wee bit of Abu Dhabi? Well, the the, 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 the fight on the night, of course, was a bit of a humdinger. That was the bantamweight fight against the Heli Alatang and Dana Batjirel. Well done, you, mate. Uh, the bantamweights. Um, that was a good back and forth. Definitely worth going to have a look at. But as you say, the, the night belonged to the, the two Chinese kids at the top of the bill. I think it was a clean sweep for China. Mm. Don't quote me on it. I think they had five. I think they went five and oh on that bill. Maybe I'm wrong. But um, as always, these are the cards that kind of go on the radar a little bit, but absolutely deliver. And it, it, it just felt like a breakthrough moment for the UFC because, you know, for a long time, we've, we've all put up with this rhetoric that one FC is the UFC of Asia and one FC will never be overtaken by the UFC or whatever. And is one FC's business model to be bought out by UFC to dominate Asia and blah, all this kind of stuff. 
Listen, I, I love One FC and they're doing some amazing things over there as well. But there's also so it's a little bit of smoke and mirrors with UFC, it, with One FC. Sorry, uh, you know their numbers aren't genuine. Their TV numbers aren't truly genuine, even though they do some amazing things. And I think this was really like a, a line in the sand from the UFC to go bomb. We're here and we're here to play. We're, we're not fucking about and we've got two superstars that we can build on. I like the way that you've just gone line in the sand and then the segue comes to the desert where we are right now. Nice. See? See? You're on it tonight, son, aren't you? You're on it. I'm so BSC, so That's making it. sense. Flying. Um, 15 fights on UFC 242. I've seen a little bit of backlash on online where people are going regarding the pay-per-view. Oh, it's yep. a crap card, that. Now, listen. Don't get me wrong. We follow this on a week-by-week basis. I'm looking down this card, and there's a couple of lads on there and a couple of girls on there that I'm thinking, I don't really know too much about you. But as I do a little bit of digging and a little bit of research, I can tell that there's something about the reasons as to why they're on this card. When you get an event like this Mm -hmm. and you're given an opportunity to fight on a card like this, you're bringing it. You're bringing your A game. And you know full well that the UFC... When it comes to matchmaking, nine times out of ten, get it right. They'll give you. They're going to give you a competitive fight. You've Absolutely. got. You've got fifteen fights, right? Fifteen fights from prelims up until the up until the main event. Yes, it's all about Habib and Dustin Poirier. I get that, but you're telling me it, within those fifteen fights, there's not going to be at least three, maybe four, that you're on the edge of your seat for. I can't wait for this at the weekend from start to finish. It, it is absolutely action packed. You know, there's, there's two or three fights on the early prelims, um, which are worth getting your teeth stuck into. Never mind the rest of the bill. Uh, my old good mate Edson Barbosa's in the co-main event against Paul Felder. Their first. I like the way that you call him your old the... mate because he knocked out your mate. Well, the, we, we, <laughs> I got, we, we got have... a relationship then. Like, and his wife actually manages Edson, and she's awesome. She's so cool. Uh, I mean, we just kept like a friendship going for a while afterwards because I, I did a couple of things in print for them. And uh, this is obviously off the back of the Terry Etim fight. The Terry yeah. Etim knockout, yeah, yeah. Um, and he's an absolute diamond, Edson. You know, and um, his first fight with Paul Felder was absolutely brilliant. And I can only see this rematch lighting the place up once again. Uh, but I know there's a lot of Russian fighters on this card. Tons, yeah. When you go through the names of the Russian fighters and go through their histories, it absolutely stands up. It's action-packed. Yes, it may not be as many household names as that people maybe you follow UFC. But, but that's whatever. the point, I think. But that's that's but the whole point. I think it, it is. I a, like that, though. That's even better. Yeah, but I think that's the point. They're trying to make household names. So they put these guys on this card because they know that it's going to get eyes because Habib's on. Yeah. And then somebody's got the opportunity to come out that pack, win a, a performance of the night bonus or a fight of the night bonus, and people go, I want to see that guy fight again. Exactly. And there's a few of them on here as well. There's a few. The, the, to kick it off, the welterweight fight, Nordi and Taleb against the Muslim Salakov. Mm. That is absolute flames. Taleb's a dangerous striker on his feet, as our mate Danny Roberts uh, found out to his pedal. Real good striker, real heavy hands, real heli- heavy kicks. And that's Salakov. My God, he's an absolute beast. I think he's lost once or twice in his entire career. Um 14 finishes and 15 wins only ever been to a judge's decision once in 17 actual fights you know even as two losses ended early as well so Taleb versus Salakov will get the the crowd going into before we even get into the prelims but you know Joanne Calderwood's on here uh, Lerone Murphy as we mentioned earlier on's on here so a little bit of UK and uh, English and Scottish interest for us too but 
it's probably all about the main card and it's all about the main fight, isn't it? It's the interim champion against the world champion in Khabib versus Dustin for the UFC lightweight championship. Talk, ab- talk about your uh, your mate, Laron. I know that you're going to do an interview with him, uh, which is obviously going to give us uh, more it, more in, uh, information on him because his story is absolutely sensational. Uh, but he's taking on one of uh, Habib's mates at the weekend, isn't he? In uh, Zabira. And if I'm, if I'm right, I might have got this slightly wrong. Zabira was one of the guys that was in the cage. I think so, yeah. With the uh, with the Conor McGregor thing at UFC 229. Yeah. So obviously there's going to be eyes on Zabira anyway because if is you remember... Yeah, well, if you remember the... Re- Habib's been banned. This is his first one uh, since his suspension and part of him coming back and that suspension being lifted... Because remember, it got lifted by an extra month, didn't it? Yeah. It's been put back in order for Habib to appear on this and part of that deal that he's cut with the UFC is that certain people's bans were lifted as well and that his mates could feature on this card and one of those guys if I'm right in thinking, it is Zabira. So there's going to be eyes on Zabira anyway. So this fight with Laron, there's going to be major eyes on this. It's an opportunity for the lad from Manchester. Yeah, it is, yeah. And you know what You know what we're like when it comes to when it comes to drug testing and everything else. Um, this guy as well, Zabir, has failed a drug test. He had a two-year ban at one stage mm. uh, for, for failing the USADA test. So... Um, that kept him out of the. That's kept basically kept him out of the the cage for the last three years. Uh, that combined with he was so he was banned for two years and then he was supposed to fight Artem Lobov, uh, and that's then great, yeah. the big melee with Artem Lobov kicked off and then obviously the whole f- Connor fallout and and then obviously he was one of the guys that uh, that reportedly jumped the cage after after Khabib's fight with Connor and whatever else. So it's been an interesting last three <laughs> years for the guy, um, but he can fight. You know, he, I think he's. Eight, won 18, lost four, uh, did lose against the Renault Mercado in, in the UFC. But prior to that, he was undefeated for a long time. So like all these, like all these uh, Russian guys, you know, incredibly capable, solid base. Uh, I think he's a master in sambo, um, can fight on his feet, can fight on the ground, trains at AKA with Khabib. You know, so he's up against it, Lerone Murphy, but they don't call the kid the miracle for nothing. You know, he's an eight-fight relative novice, fight your neck of the woods from Stockport, mm. Manchester, round that way. Um, most people probably aren't even aware that he's on this card on Saturday night because he's just completely and utterly gone under the radar. But, you know, he's he's 8-0 in his pro career, as I say. He's been signed by the UFC because of the potential that he's got. But his backstory is unbelievable. You know, he, he finishes people on the feet. Um, I don't think he's got too many submissions on his record, but if he can keep the fight standing, he's certainly going to be in it. But he's had the type of lifestyle that he he won't be sitting in the Crown Plaza hotel next door. He won't be sitting there fucking worried about what Khabib's mate's going to bring to the octagon on Saturday night because this kid's been through it all. Mm. You know, he survived the shooting. He he, he drew up in Gangland, Manchester, um, and he's had a hard life. But he's he's here now and hopefully he gets the business done on Saturday. That tale's going to come your way this week uh, because we're going to catch up uh, up to him. We'll stick a microphone in his face and have a little bit of a chat uh, with uh, Laurent Murphy. Uh, that'll be available on your feed in the next 24 hours. All right. So if you want a little bit of background on him as he uh, aims to face uh, Sabira this weekend, make sure you're uh, subscribing to the Fight Disciples podcast, which is available on iTunes. Fight Disciples is what you're looking for at fightdisciples.com. Um, for all Android feeds. Now, as we look onto the main card, because that's where the majority of the attention is going to be, Curtis Bleds has had a little bit of a, a run of late, hasn't he? People are starting to get excited about him maybe becoming a heavyweight contender. But again, he's uh, getting uh, getting a little bit of action with one of uh, Khabib's mates at the weekend. Everybody is. <laughs> Everybody's getting a fight with a Khabib it, mate at the just, weekend. Uh, Khabib's done what Connor did, you know, become a superstar in the UFC and then get all your mates to fight 
on your undercards. Mm. Uh, he's dragging everybody along with him. But you're right, Curtis Blades. Uh, Curtis, this is weird one with Curtis Blades. So he's lost twice in his entire 14 fight yeah. career. And both losses have come against the same guy. Probably the most, as you well know, Adam, because you've rolled with him, the most dangerous guy in the heavyweight division, Francis Ngannou. Uh, knocked out by Ngannou twice. Um, so as long as he stays away from Francis and Gannon, he right. Blades is a fucking superstar. He's a world beater. So um, the, I think the, the win over Alistair Overeem was really the big breakthrough moment for him. Obviously, beating uh, Oli Elnchuk, he beat Mark Hunt, he knocked out Alistair Overeem uh, deep in the fight that as well. So and he looked like he could do something then. But again, I, I haven't seen I haven't seen him since I've been here. No, Curtis uh, Blades. But I have seen uh, Abdurakimov who is fighting. Right. Okay. And he is fucking massive. He's massive, mate. And I'm like, just a heavyweight Khabib, that dude. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Yeah, that, that, I can't see this. I can't see this getting out of the first five minutes, if I'm honest. No, well, hopefully not. No, given that, size, just given the size of the guys, it only it's only going to take one. It. Yeah, but, but so blades, you know, blades can be knocked out as Francis has proven. Um, but but so can this guy as well. Mm. You know, he's lost four, um, two of those by knockout. He's been knocked out twice in the UFC and five or six appearances in the UFC as well. So even though he's Khabib's mate, the difference with these heavyweights is that if you catch someone coming in, it only takes one shot mm. to scramble them. Um, but I, it's on the main card for the reason that the UFC are hoping it's a five-minuter. It, it, it explodes in the sense of the octagon. Um, Kate, Curtis Blades just needs to try and keep the fight long and try and let those big shots go because Shamil certainly has the edge when it comes mm. down to the grappling game. But uh, I don't think he will grapple, and I think it'll be a punch out. And as you say, first one to land probably wins that. That's the only fight on the um, on the uh, on the main card that is not lightweight. Everything else is lightweight. Yeah, uh, including Makashev against Davy Ramos, and then obviously all the attention will be on Edison Barboza against uh, Paul Felder. Paul Felder, I've seen him a couple of times this week. First of all, he looks in incredible shape. Oh, he's brilliant. In- incredible shape. He seems to be talking quite well as well, um, and. I, I'm, I'm kind of looking forward because I'm led to believe that Dan Hardy's going to do an interview with him. I'm really looking forward to that chat because obviously, as we know, Dan is is seriously contemplating, well, I'll say contemplating, it's happening. Yeah, he's uh, back in the pool. Ma- making uh, a comeback and doing his thing. And Felder's kind of already done that, if that makes sense, even though he never stepped away, really. But he's a commentator, he's a pundit now, he's got a real good career doing that. Obviously, Dan's doing that as an analyst extremely well. Yeah, that I find that dynamic of, Comment on fights and training for fights, you know. I can't, I can't. That that uh, juxtaposition of of work life. Um, I'd be interested to see them two have a little bit of a chat of how Paul Felder's managing, balancing two careers, and whether Dan can do the same thing. Yeah, I think with Dan, I think I'm led to believe it'll be a well, <laughs> it'll be a one fight and then done. But Willie Dick, Willie Dick, you know, <laughs> he comes back, he gets his arm raised. There's fucking no way he's walking away, is it? Let's be honest with you, but. Um, I like Paul Felder. I first met Paul Felder. He was training with Cowboy Cerrone. It must have been about six six years ago now. Uh, and he was t- Cowboy Cerrone's sparring partner at the Bad Boy Ranch, not at Jackson's, but at, at Cowboy's own ranch. Felder was just rocking up there and like everyone was talking about this fucking ginger lunatic that was just like going toe-to-toe with Cowboy every day. And the next thing you know, he goes and gets signed by the UFC. Um, if you've never seen Paul Felder fight, my God, you're in for a treat because uh, he is all action. He has all elbows and knees. He can absolutely take a shot, and he loves to land a shot as well. So 
Um, take away the loss to Mike Perry, and you know he, he's on a good run. You know he's got good wins over Stevie Ray, Charles Oliveira, uh, James Vick, all to, all decent lightweight guys. It's uh, just got that that weird split decision loss to Mike Perry, which kind of could have gone either way as well. Um, you know, and he'd be on a bit of a hot run at the moment. So uh, him against Edson as well. I was going to say, where's Edson at right now? Because he's you'd think in the twilight of his yeah. career. Yeah, well, th- th- they fought off 2015. So it was a while, you know, it's it's a while ago now, and it was absolutely brilliant. And when Edson won that night, it just reaffirmed my big push that Edson Barbosa would one day be a UFC lightweight champion. I've been saying it for since the night he knocked out Terry Etam. I've been like, right, okay, well, if my boy's done, then I'm going to jump on the guy that beat him. Uh, I'm going to follow his career. But the 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 thing with Edson is he had that real good run in 2016, but since then. You know, he hasn't been able to string two wins together. Now, when you look at it, lost it, lost against Khabib, lost against Kevin Lee, who at the time looked phenomenal. I think Kevin Lee missed weight as well. Uh, lost against Justin Gaethje, which was a real a, a real tough one to take when he got knocked out by Gaethje last time out. But there was a good win over Dan Hooker, sandwiched in between there as well. So he is still very, very much a, a top 10 lightweight. But I feel like it's now or never for Edson. I think a loss against Paul Felder would really massively set him back. But it just shows how much, you know, in the last four years, how they both their careers have gone. As I say, Felder's just got that one weird anomaly loss to Mike Perry. Up at welterweight, by the way, not even as knack. If you remember, it, he mm. took the fight at late notice, jumped up to welterweight, or, or took the fight under weird circumstances at least, jumped up to welterweight to fight uh, Mike Perry, which is probably the wrong decision ultimately, because uh, back at lightweight he's still undefeated. But it just goes to show this undefeated lightweight run for Felder, this inability to string two wins together together for Edson Barbosa. This is why we're seeing this fight again, it's a crossroads fight. Mm. I think the winner pushes on. Um, to be a, a fringe contender still for in this lightweight division, where, where the loser, I think for Felder, could ultimately see him move into the commentary booth full-time. And, and for Edson, it, it certainly wouldn't be good. Main event, Habib versus uh, Dustin Poirier. Um, we've both been fortunate enough to spend time in the company of both of these guys, look into their eyes and ask them various questions and just get a little bit of a feel for him. Obviously, uh, you caught William in London when this fir- when this fight was first announced. Yeah. I caught William earlier on this week out here in Abu Dhabi, so I got the raw end of the stick because obviously these lads have started the weight cut, so they're a little bit more tech. I got here. them when they were nice and fresh. <laughs> you, got, you, got, you got them when they were a little breakfast. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Fat and happy. Yeah, absolutely, mate. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll start on Dustin first because you can't help but like the dude. You oh, just, he's fucking brilliant. You can't help but like him. He is everything that you want to be. He is that guy. He's a hardworking dude. He comes from not the uh, the most wealthiest of backgrounds. God, no. He's grafting his balls off. He's got a young family. That's what he's looking to provide for. But as well as that, he's taking time out as well to set up a charity in order to help people in his uh, original town, where he's originally from in Lafayette. I know he lives out in uh, Cal- uh, Florida now. Yeah. Uh, but over in Lafayette, he's got a charity there, which is helping to build playgrounds for disadvantaged kids and all this type of stuff. And he's just a wholesome... Working good class, good guy. His, his name comes from obviously you know a diamond in the rough, but being British, he's the type of fellow you go. He's a diamond. Him. Yeah. He, his na- his moniker is perfect for who he is. Mm. He is a diamond, Dustin Poirier. Uh, what I found in London, because uh, he, you know, at the end of the day, I think most MMA fans, guys who've been following the sport as long as I have, will remember him from the Fightville documentary in two thousand and one or whatever it was, two thousand and eleven. Yeah. Two thousand eleven. Um, where he was this young upcoming fighter with aspirations of becoming a UFC guy, and to be able to follow that journey has, has been awesome. 
But what, what I, I don't know what he was like with you this week, but in London, I kind of felt that Dustin felt a little bit pissed. Maybe not pissed, not the right way, but there's so much momentum behind Khabib. There's yeah. so much media behind Khabib. I think Dustin's kind of like, wait a minute. I'm the fucking interim champion here. I've just beat Max Holloway. He's pound for pound, one of the best guys in the world. I, I deserve this opportunity and I deserve a bit more respect. Uh, and I don't think anyone's disrespecting him deliberately. But it's hard to look past a Khabib win on Saturday night, isn't it? Let's just be honest. Yeah, here. yeah, yeah. It's hard to look past Khabib not getting his arm raised here in Abu Dhabi on Saturday night because there's no blueprint to beat Khabib. Yeah. So it's hard to see anyone do it, especially a guy that has lost before in this lightweight division. Now, mm. I know um, Dustin Poirier is, what, in six... I think in the last six years, he's lost twice in six years. Yeah. Awesome. That's fantastic. Wow. That is world champion stuff. But the issue I've got is the two guys he lost to, Khabib's beat them both. Yeah. And Khabib's never lost a fight mm-hmm. since that fucking bear age yeah, yeah, seven yeah. or whatever it was. <laughs> and that's the big issue. <laughs> that's the big issue. There is a way. There's ways to beat Dustin Poirier. He has been beaten Listen, before. Yeah, but the thing is with Poirier, that you're right. Everything he says, right? And everybody listening to this is saying he's thinking the exact same thing, I'm sure. But Poirier's advantages is that he's got great cardio. Yeah. He, he's used to setting the pace of a fight. And I think he's going to have to try his very, very best from the, the very first moment to try and set that pace because Khabib does the same thing. Khabib sets the pace of the fight. He makes you work at a pace that you don't necessarily want to work at and he does it for 25 minutes. It's not like, for example, a Kevin Lee can do it for 10 minutes wrestling and then gas in the in the third round. Khabib don't do that. No. Khabib's constant. He's constantly on you. So therefore, his cardio is going to have to be absolutely nailed on. He's got to try his very, very best to keep this on the feet for as long as he possibly can because his boxing's really good. Yeah, yeah. Dustin Poirier's boxing is really good. Absolutely. Does he have one punch knockout power? I'd say maybe not. He's going to have to stink a bee early and get some respect off him in order to avoid just getting shot at for fun and having them legs whipped from underneath him. Yeah, I think the, the one strength, hopefully it's a strength in, in terms of Dustin's position, is that coming from um, ATT, American top team, He's a much more rounded martial artist now that he's working with Mike Brown, definitely. Of course. In that last seven years that he's been working with. Of course, with. yeah, of course. That goes without saying. But I just think ATT have had a couple of cracks that could be before mm-hmm. as a team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've game planned for him on more than one occasion and come up short. You'd like to think they've got something else in the locker. There's, there's a reason why, could, you know, Dustin's got it, found himself in this position. He can't turn it down. So, listen, I was there, I was there the night when Anderson Silva was dethroned, lost for the, you know, and it was just like a massive shock when... Um, Weidman did Chrissy it. Chrissy Weidman knocked him out in Vegas and, like, shell-shocked everybody. But when we got back in the media room afterwards and speaking to his coaches, John Danaher especially, and they were just like... We built him to beat Anderson Silva. We built an Anderson Silva beating machine because that was the whole point. At some stage, one of these super gyms, ATT, AKA, not AKA, it's Khabib's gym, ATT, you know, whatever, whatever whichever yeah, gym yeah. it is in the world, somewhere on the planet right now, there is a gym training a lightweight to beat Khabib, not to become UFC champion, not to do this, not to do that, not to go on and have this kind of... Just to beat Khabib, like they did, they beat Chris Weidman to beat Anderson Silva. Is Dustin Poirier 
the man to beat Khabib? Has have they made a Khabib defeating machine? Because that's the only way you're going to beat Khabib. Mm. Purposely just beat him, and then you'll probably lose the belt to someone else to next Connor time, as well, or, or yeah. to Connor or Tony Ferguson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the point is. You will always have Khabib's number, just like Chris Weidman had Anderson Silva's number. It's catching him at the right time. The problem there is Anderson Silva was just way too cocksure for his own good and was at the back end of his career where his reflexes were slowing down. Khabib isn't slowing down. Khabib doesn't look like he's taking his eye off the ball. Now, again, we'll talk about your chat with Khabib in a second, but my chat with Khabib back in London... He, he made it quite clear he's not in love with fight sports. He doesn't love this game. He doesn't love fighting necessarily. Um, and I, I, looking into his eyes, I thought, well, your money doesn't drive him. Fame doesn't. He's not motivated by money. Not motivated by fame. He's motivated just by legacy, really. Mm. But with all due respect to to Dustin Poirier, the number one contender, Dustin Poirier is not the legacy fight that people are going to remember him for. Probably Connor's at the moment going to be the legacy fight. Yeah. And it's whether Khabib well, I think, I think Khabib, can be motivated to keep going. Well, I think he is because I, I totally agree with you. He's driven by a pride thing. It's a hundred percent. It's a, it's the pride of his people and the people yeah. looking at him like he's he's you know he's kind of a role model in a way that people from his place can look to something, Absolutely. hang on to it, and that there's a greater life for them out there if they work hard. As as Abid most certainly does that. I think in the back of his head, he does have one eye on Tony Ferguson. Yeah, because he's the toughest fight for him. Well, he was constantly mentioning it, and he just dropped it in every now and again. This is this is the he mentioned it in a way where it's not about me, it's not about him. It's for the lightweight division. That that fight has to happen is, yeah. is basically what he was saying, and therefore in his head, that's the one that he can just tick off that he he beat the very very best. Like even part of the conversation was the seven billion people on this planet bring me the best guy. I want to fight the best guy, and in his head. Tony Ferguson is the best guy. Yeah, That's where he's at this moment in time. I don't think he's overlooking Dustin Poirier because I don't think he does that. No. But he knows full well that it's a stepping stone to the Tony Ferguson fight. And I think that's what's driving him. I think that's he has to get through this. Yeah. And I think the event's helping him because it's Abu Dhabi. It's because here. it's Yeah, because it's here and it's a Muslim-rich country. And he's obviously that, that poster boy at this moment in time for that community. I think that's the thing, that pride thing is driving him to, to be motivated for this particular event. I completely agree, yeah. Absolutely agree, and I think that's why he's going to put on a, you know, a, a real, a real performance here I on agree. Saturday night. I think he's going to do an absolute number on Dustin Poirier. Unfortunately, listen, I hope we're wrong I, again. Dustin Poirier is one of the nicest guys out there. Um, I, I love he, seeing I shots, man. Gets his opportunity. I, I want to see a shot. That, that's why we're here. You know, that's why the you yeah. know the part of the reason you're here is is to see something a bit special and something a bit special here is Khabib getting beat. Unfortunately, that's you know. People don't fly to New York to watch Anthony Joshua. They fly to New York to watch Andy Ruiz iron out Anthony Joshua. That's just the way sport works. So I would love to see a, a big shock here, a big moment. But to be honest with you, you know, uh, if I was a better man than I am, uh, <laughs> I, I think Khabib inside three rounds has got to be a, a, a safe bet. It just surprises me that Tony Ferguson hasn't come out here. The UFC actually offered to pay Tony Ferguson and said to him, we'll pay you to be on weight as well, just in case there's any issues out there. And, you know, they'd probably give him a fight on the undercard if he wanted. Especially with Habib's history, you know exactly. what I mean? Struggling. He does uh, struggle to get down to 155. And, and Tony Ferguson turned it down. So, uh, you know, it, but, but Tony Ferguson's an enigma wrapped up in yeah, a puzzle. He does know, what he wants, man. Yeah, um, bonkers. Just knowing, with your knowledge of the history of this division, the only one that I can think of is BJ Penn, but is Habib the best lightweight that there has ever been in the in the UFC? Um, he's still got a, he's, 
it's it's hard to look past what BJ was at the time because obviously now he's just a fucking lunatic that <laughs> fights outside nightclubs. Evidently, what is that all about recently? Uh, I've got no idea, no idea. Um, too much yayo, I think. But I think with Khabib, his legacy's not defined yet. I think that's the whole point with the Tony Ferguson thing. I think once you start beating, t- if he gets through Dustin Poirier this weekend, gets through Tony Ferguson, he's kind of wiped out the lightweight division now. Yeah, you know. And you know that if Conor does come back, the UFC will want to make that fight again, and, and he then, wipes and him out you know again. What? I, I think they probably will because there's a there's a there's a, a narrative to that as well. You know, Conor was out for two years before yeah. he got back in the ring with Khabib. Don't look past that. You know, got back in the ring with the most I agree destructive with Habib, man in the lightweight division. But I, I agree with Habib, two though. Years out. Conor has to rebuild a rhetoric. 100% he He's got to go and beat Justin Gaethje or something like that. I and, agree. And someone else, and then in we come. Yeah, I agree. He can't just jump straight back in. Absolutely not. Uh, because he's done nothing to deserve it. And Khabib had to deserve it. Khabib had to win. Yeah, he's had to graph, man. So, so why shouldn't Conor? I totally agree with Habib there, but... Um, so you think just maybe two more legacy fights of Tony Ferguson, yeah, another one with listen, Connor, and then we're talking about him in the same listen, realm as BJ Penn. BJ was going up and down weight divisions. BJ was 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 doing amazing things. Like BJ was was breaking down barriers, and you were just like, holy shit. Whereas Khabib's just brilliant at what he does. Yeah. He's just a master at this style. Like there's there's no game plan and required. You know, like Justin Poirier is not sitting in his hotel room next door now with Mike Brown going over. What if he does this? What if he does that? They fucking know what he's gonna do. I'll tell you what he's gonna do. He's gonna, he's gonna, gonna fly legs. across that octagon. <laughs> he's gonna take you down. He's gonna beat the shit out of you on the ground. That's what Khabib does. Now, it's hard to put Khabib on. It starts to talk about Khabib in the same breath as your BJ Pens and your Anderson Silvers and people like this, just because the entertainment value isn't of that level. But yeah. what you've got to appreciate is. What he does is so predictable, but he's so fucking good at it. Mm. There's nothing you can do. And there's got to be a new level of appreciation for that. So I think he's still got some way to go yet before we start putting him above BJ, in my opinion. But obviously, his record compared to BJ's record, well, Khabib's is better because he's just he's unbeaten. Yeah. And he's been an absolute fucking beast so far. So I don't know. I think it's just what you like most of all. Unless I'm a massive Khabib fan now, more so... I don't know whether you're the same. After I met him in London and no had doubt. a chat with him, yeah, he, he had me. I was in love then. I was like, brilliant. I've always respected you, but didn't quite get you. Yeah. But now I've spent time with you and had a conversation with you. Actually, you're a fucking top guy as well. So yeah, now yeah. I'm in. I'm in him in. He, he, well, I was in. Everybody knows, if you listen to the show, pro, I was pro-Connor going into that fight. That's what I wanted. I wanted yeah. Connor to you know, dance back into the octagon and, and get back his crown. But the way that Habib manhandled him and handled himself throughout the whole course of the week, of course, you got flying out the octagon and all that type of stuff, whatever, right? But then, like you said, when you spend time with people and you, not even on camera or on microphone, just off, and there's a little bit of conversation about football, for example, yeah. and you just think, yeah, man, you're all right, you, you're, you're just, you're just like us, but you're just wicked at what you do. Just boss of fighting, <laughs> yeah, you're just absolutely <laughs> immense at fighting. Flat, flat. Did you see the back of his head? Yeah, it's flat. Told you. Yeah. Hey, mm. don't ever start an argument with someone <laughs> to flat back of the head. I told you this before. Flat head syndrome's real. Uh, make sure you subscribe to our podcast this week because, like I said, there's plenty of interviews from Abu Dhabi coming your way. There'll be hopefully another preview show. There's definitely going to be TV stuff. So if you want to yep. subscribe to the BT Sport uh, YouTube channel, please do so because we're doing something from the Open Workout. We're doing something for a media day. We're doing something from the weigh-ins. And then obviously we'll have something for you on Fight Night as well. So make sure you're across all that as well. 
and just let them know you're quite happy to pay an extra ten pound, twenty pound pay per view for the Fight Disciples boys That's are going to make. In fact, content. do that, do that, right? So oh, if, if, if you're on, yeah, if you're on social media this week, listen. Nick gave you a piss podcast yeah. on Saturday, <laughs> right? He's he's put out for you. You put out for us, exactly. <laughs> right? Please do. So if you can, every time you tag. Um, BT Sport, the USC BT Sport thing. Just tag Fight Disciples in there and said, This is boss content courtesy of the Fight Disciples. That's all you need to put in yes. there, right? If you just keep that going, just keep that rhetoric going throughout the course of the week. Sweet, sweet baby Jesus. We'll try and get you out for New York for uh, Darren Till and, uh, Till and Gastelum. By the way, how fucking big is he looking? Oh, mate. I'll tell you something. Do you know that tattoo? Silverback. Do you know that tattoo on his arm? Yeah. Right. It used to get mistaken for Paige Van Zandt, didn't it? It's now getting mistaken for Gemma Collins, mate. It's fucking <laughs> massive. Isn't it? The size of his arms are you know, crazy. You know, forever, I used to speak to Dan about it, and, I'd be, and he'd be like, imagine if I lifted weights. Because he's never lifted weights before. He's never been able to. It's because fucking, you, He's eating a lot of beef get, now, isn't getting he? Getting down to 170 is hard enough for a guy that walks around at 220. Yeah. So he couldn't afford to lift any weights whatsoever. Now he's got a, a weight program. He's doing the kettlebell program. He's doing all kinds. He's doing deadlifting, and he's loving it because he's a gym rat, and because he just he, and his body has responded so well that honestly, mate, he's lo- he looks he's like too the white. Wa- to make middleweight, mate. He looks like the white Joe Romero. I'm telling you now, <laughs> where he's looking. He will do. He will do Gastelum. He will make a run at middleweight. Nah, stop this now. And I'm telling stop you now, stop this. You're being silly now. You're getting carried away. You're getting scouts on me. Till will have a light heavy push before his UFC days are done. I'm not saying that he won't. But you've just said he'll do Gastelum like you didn't even think about it. You reckon he's going to go in and smoke Gastelum? He'll smoke Gastelum, yeah. I'm back on. I'm back on the tilt That's it. Listen. I was t- never off. Don't get me wrong. No, I just you- restarted it. Yeah, I put it. fresh coal in the engine. <laughs> Choo-choo! The tilt is leaving. Listen, 244. We'll talk about that another time. Let's concentrate on 242. Um, like I said, at the start of this podcast, it's all been brought to you in, in association with BT Sport Box Office. Pay-per-view this weekend for Habib versus Dustin Poirier. I'm saying that and Nick's smiling. But listen, if you want to see it, go and pay for it and come and be a part of it. There's extra content on there as well. Me and Nick will be sticking off face on the TV. Come on, what's more? What, what, what don't more you do you want? want? What more do you want? Come on. 20 quid for this? Exactly. Come on. Um, thank you very much for listening to us. Please subscribe. Fight Disciples on iTunes. Fightdisciples.com is the uh, is the analog feed that you're looking for if you need something on Spotify or what have you. And get all over our social media because there's loads of stuff coming your way. Uh, at, at The Fight Disciples on Instagram, at Fight Disciples on Facebook and Twitter. Listen, thank you very much and we will catch you next time. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, subscribe via iTunes.